Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerds Hundle and today I want to share with you someone who is a next generational leader in the field of personal development. Blackson is an inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He's the author of The Magic of Surrender and he believes we can all access inner freedom. I'll be honest, this was an amazing episode. Really, it just really showed that anything is possible and when we trust from within and we just surrender, everything works out. Everything happens for a reason and I do recommend listening to this episode. Hi, Keats. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, bless you. I can't wait to just share what your life was like. So I'd just love to go back to the beginning of what your life was like be- before you became a transformational leader. Um, wow. Well, look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up wow. in London. Um, for me, as a young boy, I was a very empathetic kid. And so I would feel people's pain very deeply. I felt people suffering very deeply. There was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate their suffering in some way. I didn't know exactly what that would look like. I just know that there was a deep desire to to help people. And so as a young boy, I grew up in a kind of um, what some would say a different environment in that, um, like my first memories as a young kid was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stand up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing you could say miracles, right? Blind people seeing and deaf people hearing and people standing up out of wheelchairs. The same man whose sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, hey, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. And uh, Or somebody would come in with crutches and, and they hadn't walked in five years and he would say, hey, throw the crutches away. He'd put his hands on them and they would start walking. And so this man was my father. Wow. And so my father, um, you, you could call him a spiritual teacher, a very mystical man, uh, a minister, built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, built a huge church in South London. And so about 5,000 people every Sunday. So I grew up in this environment. And for me, what life was like was at age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. At age 14, I was ordained as a minister. And I was kind of given a mandate to take over my father's ministry. And I was the guy that was the successor. And it was announced at 14 to his entire congregation but unbeknownst to me, actually, but I knew that when it was announced, it, it, it just didn't feel right. And so for me, my heart sank and I just felt like I, I was meant to do something different with my life. I felt a completely different calling, a completely different direction. I didn't know exactly what it was, but as a 14-year-old kid, I think I was, you know, like most, most kids, most people, I think I was just too afraid to mm. speak my truth. My fear was if I spoke my truth, if I dared to be who I really am, then I would lose love. I'd be outcast. I'd be abandoned. I would be alone. I would yeah. lose my father's love. And so I think many of us as human beings, we allow fear to 
hijack us. We allow fear to stop us. We allow fear to, to, to limit our full expression and, and, and sharing our gifts with the world. And so for four years, I said nothing. 14 to 18, I went through a tremendous uh, inner turmoil and questioning and soul searching and conflict. But when I turned 18, I had some choices to make. I finished my, I was about to finish my A-levels and uh, had to make some decisions. Like, what do I do with my life? And I felt this profound calling, uh, a calling in my soul to come to the US, something pulling me to come to America, something pulling me to come to California. Because as a kid, uh, you know, before I started writing and teaching and traveling, I, I, I would read the self-help books on my father's bookshelf. And he had probably, you know, a thousand books on his bookshelf, everyone from the Western uh, spiritual teachers like Wayne Dyer and Louis Hay and Marianne Williamson to the Eastern mystics, people like Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, Krishnamurti, Osho. So I grew up reading wow. all of this stuff. And for me, it was my obsession. I'd come home, I'd do my homework, I'd go read, I would meditate, and this was my life. And so uh, I felt this calling to come to America, specifically Southern California, Los Angeles, because this is where um, all of the authors and teachers that I had read books about happened to live. And, and so I thought this, this is the Mecca. And, and my, you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your mind, isn't yeah. always logical and isn't yeah. always convenient. But mm. I just felt it calling me so strongly. And I didn't really know how I was going to come here and, you know, chose, basically I chose not to go to university. And so uh, I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path mm. and, 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 and follow the path that was already preset and carved out for me. But if I didn't, but, but I felt such a sense of self-betrayal, um, the sense of soul suicide that I could succeed by the world standards. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my integrity, if I didn't have my truth, like what kind of success is that? And the pain felt so great that I, I just, I felt like I didn't have a choice. And that's when I had the tough conversation with my father as an 18 year old kid. And uh, we didn't speak for two years. Um, wow. It was, it was deeply challenging and heartbreaking. And, you know, sometimes people think that when you find your, your calling and purpose, life is easy and everything is smooth. But I no. think sometimes <laughs> when you find your challenges, when yeah. you find your purpose, like the challenges of life start. And I think those challenges are really uh, soul tests that we get to go through in order to grow and evolve and, and develop the mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual muscle so that mm -hmm. we can fulfill what we're here to do. And so, uh, yeah, we didn't speak. And long sto longer story short, I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery. And that's what enabled me, true story. Uh, and that's wow. what enabled me to come to the U.S., and two suitcases, eight hundred dollars, knew no one in the country, and just showed up as an eighteen-year-old kid and uh, started following. Went and found many of the authors and teachers. Went to their seminars. I studied with some of them, and then a few years later, what really created a shift in my life that I think set me on the path was I uh, I started traveling. I went to mm -hmm. Thailand, studied with some monks. Went to Israel, studied with some rabbis. Ended up in. Um, walking the Camino in northern Spain. And then I ended up in India. And it was wow. just for me, my time in India, that uh, I would say cracked me open to a deeper sense of who I am and what my purpose was in this life. And, 
And then I came back as a young man, came back to LA and began working with people one-on-one before coaching was even popular. And one person came and their life transformed. And then the way I work with people evolved. And I I created my own way of working with people, my own methodology and people's Mm -hmm. lives transformed. And people started coming from around the world and one one person, next person. Then it grew into small groups, larger groups and two best-selling books. And and here we are. That's, That's the short version. Wow. <laughs> what a journey you've been on. It, it's beautiful. And it just shows the growth of, you know, being this young boy, not having a clue what he wanted to really finding his truth and power and, and living his purpose. And yeah. um, I wanted to go back a bit where you said about, sure. you know, age of 14 to 18, you were a bit, you know, lost and confused. Would you say that you were more, almost people pleasing to make sure everybody else was happy, but you didn't feel happy from within? Yeah, you know, as, as as a young kid growing up in my father's church with a spiritual teacher, basically for a father, a preacher, mm-hmm. a minister, um, you know, there was, it wasn't said, but there was this sort of um, expectation, expectation, unspoken assumption of who mm-hmm. I was going to be. And right. with that came a kind of responsibility for being like the minister's son, the holy man's son. And so you know, uh, in, in an unspoken way, as a young boy, I felt like I needed to be the, the perfect son, the perfect kid, the responsible one, the one that took care of everyone, the appropriate one. And so with that came a lot of pressure, even though I didn't know, I didn't think about it at the time. But looking back, I think with it came a lot of pressure and responsibility and obligation and expectation to like to be the good son. And 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 so, yeah, I would definitely say there was a part of me that you know, wanted to please people and make people happy in order to to get love, validation, and approval to fit in ultimately. Mm-hmm. And 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 so yeah, that's how I grew up. Indeed. I guess I guess as well, like you know, you're saying that you you felt a lot of empathy, and I'm I'm sensing that you're like a highly sensitive person. So you were, I guess, picking up a lot of people's emotions. And when people don't understand, you know, sensitive children, like even though we're all sensitive, right? It's just the way society is. You, I guess you may again might have people please because you wanted to fit in and make sure everybody liked you. Yep. Yeah. 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 For sure. So I wanted. To, I wanted. To, I wanted to be. And, and it's interesting because even in school, I was. I was the kid that was able to get along with the naughty kids, and I was the and the bullies, right? And the and the sort of outcast. But I was also the, the the kid that was the school prefect, and you know, able to get along with like the good kids and the intelligent ones and the popular ones. And and so what was funny was, um, so there was a kind of gift in the ability to mm. to know and adjust myself and maybe be a chameleon of sorts as a kid. And, 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 and what was funny was the teachers sometimes couldn't keep the kids in check. So they would ask me yeah. to sort of like sort the kids out. And, and, and so there were gifts in that. And I, and I think part of that gift, part of the limitation uh, becomes, you know, when we turn that in on, our, on ourselves and we, we kind of betray our truth, betray mm-hmm. our integrity, betray who we are, become who we think we need to be in order to fit in, get love, validation, approval, which yeah. is really a survival mechanism. But also part of the gift for me became the ability inside of that identity, inside of that role or limited kind of character, um, inside of that became the ability to understand and have compassion and relate to people from all walks of life. doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, orange. I, I had the ability <laughs> yeah. to, to relate to you and go into 
any culture in any setting and 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 fit in and you know be connect with people no matter what background and so that was a blessing at the same time so i think you know inside of our roles and the ways which in which we've been conditioned even inside of our pain there is a gift you know and even inside of that we can find our purpose 100% I relate with everything you're saying because I'm a very highly sensitive person as well and growing up I was like like you said the popular kids the quiet kids I got along with everybody even the teachers it, it, it was very strange when I like because when I look at other people when I was growing up they were just like in one group but I was like going everywhere <laughs> mm-hmm. and also um I, I don't know if you had the same situation but like growing up everybody would come to you you know a stranger even like elderly people would come to you and just share their life problems with you and you were just like a child and you're like oh okay and you're giving them wisdom but you don't know where it's coming from yes yes it's being channeled through you so yeah Mm -hmm. I get Mm -hmm. get where you're coming from it's amazing and obviously now I understand the gift but I think when you're growing up Mm -hmm. it's seen as weird so we don't really understand what it is so we kind of shield it and Mm -hmm. protect ourselves away from what people think Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, you know, you went on this journey. You found yourself. You you moved to LA. And um, how are you now helping people to access their inner freedom? How? Um, wow. It's been a, it's been something I've been doing for twenty years. Wow. Um, if there's if there's something more specific about that, I can really go into that. But it's really been. Uh, a 20 year path over the last 20 years, I've had the opportunity of working with people from all walks of life and, you know, all backgrounds and you know, all industries, you name it, I've worked with them, billionaires, celebrities, presidents, mayors, athletes. Um, I started out working people one-on-one um, and uh, small groups and large groups. So it's, it's you know, what really, I don't coach people. I uncoach people. I unteach people. I untrain people mm. because I really believe that at the core of our being, we are all in our essence. We're, we're whole, we're perfect, we're complete already. And so, you know, if you look at children, a child is born and we are born in touch with our own in touch with our divinity, in touch with our essence. Every child is in touch with their pure light. You look into a baby's eyes or, or, or a very young kid's eyes and they, they radiate something very pure <laughs> and very special that's not conditioned by life and society mm-hmm. yet. And I think we all had that. We all were in touch with that. That purity, that innocence, that light, that love, that freedom is available inside of us all. And so what... What the hell happens as we grow up and become adults? And, you know, we're born these, these, these pure beings. And then essentially we meet our parents <laughs> and that they're, they're, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their conditioning and their upbringing, their parents and society and religion and culture and media. And, and so we're born into a preset pattern of, of, of conditioning and maybe dad was an alcoholic and maybe mom had mental health issues and maybe they were fighting all the time and maybe uh maybe they were just great people but they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs in some way Mm -hmm. and so that was painful and so as children in the human experience we all have some some trauma some pain some dysfunction maybe we weren't loved in the way we wanted to be loved and so there's some level of something that we all go through in this human incarnation experience and so what starts happening is 
as children, often unconsciously, two things. The first thing is we start learning all sorts of strategies and survival mechanisms in order to disconnect, shut mm -hmm. down, not feel the pain. And so we suppress, we suppress, we suppress layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of feeling, layers and layers. And before you know it, layers and layers of unfelt, unprocessed, unacknowledged, suppressed feeling begins to build up, build up, build up. And our true light, our true essence, our true magnificence gets hidden underneath the the layers of unfelt unprocessed emotion and feeling and we also learn all sorts of defense mechanisms to we contort ourselves into a shape to erect walls and disconnect and not feel the pain and so we hold tightly to that way of being uh it, it, in order to ultimately not feel the pain in that moment but that way of being becomes a survival strategy and mechanism that we hold on to in order to never feel the pain again and we what worked for us when we were five and seven and ten and fifteen and twenty maybe when by the time we're, we're 25 and 35 and 45 we're still doing that way of being but now it's limiting us. And so we also learn, we were talking kind of about this a moment ago, a, a, a survival strategy to a sense of, you know, who do I need to be to get love, validation, approval, mm -hmm. to fit in? And so we contort ourselves into a certain shape again, often unconsciously, you know, and with good intention, it's just limiting. And it's really the best way we know we've, we've kind of created to get the love, validation, and approval that we think we need. And so we contort ourselves into a shape and we become a person or a persona, an identity, a, assuming a role and, 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 and an identity of, of who we end up thinking that we are. We hold tightly to this pattern, this construct, this way of being to get the love, validation, approval. As I said, for me, becoming the nice person, becoming that people pleaser, becoming the kind one, becoming the responsible one. Nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes a a role it, be, it can become a limiting character that we so identify with that we don't have the freedom uh to be anything else even when we're not feeling that and and as a result we end up betraying parts of our authenticity and so you know in so many ways we become a person that we think we are as adults not realizing that what we've become is not what we who we really are what we've become is a set pattern a, co a constructed pattern uh a, a, a of conditioned responses that we hold on to that's been reinforced by parents and society and media and religion and life and those around us and it's become reinforced and that's how we've learned to get love validation to protect ourselves even to succeed and the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And I think so many of us, we are conditioned and we're not even aware that we're conditioned. And then we end up wondering, why do I feel not free? Why do I feel so limited? Why do I feel like there's so much potential inside of me that isn't expressing? Why do I feel like there's so much love inside of me that isn't getting out? And so um, really what I help people do essentially is I create experiences, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, I create experiences, whether it's small groups or large groups, I create processes and experiences that help people become aware of the the, the layers and the patterns of their conditioning so that once they become aware, uh, I, help, I help people process those layers and move through them so that they can reconnect with the, the freedom of who they are and live that more fully and freely again. So I think I would just tell people awareness is the first step to even be aware that we're conditioned because in many ways we're not aware that we're conditioned. Yeah. But I think one of the ways that we can start becoming aware is, is by looking at all the places in our life where we feel pain. And I think all the places in our life where we feel pain, where things aren't working, where we feel stuck, usually underneath that 
that's that's what what shows us where we're not free and that's what can show us where some of the um unresolved patterns unresolved feelings unresolved layers of conditioning lie so i help unconditioned people i love that and i think it's so important what you're saying because that's why a lot of people get angry as well because they've put on this role of like you said like a people pleaser or like a sacrificer and so when things don't go their way they get so angry but they realize they don't realize that we're never in control of anything yeah the key is to surrender because there's already a plan up out there made for us and we just need to trust that process but we haven't been raised that way to 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 to, you know trust that process because we've been raised to follow like this is the way of life and you must follow these rules and regulations Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely it's just crazy yeah. isn't it when you think actually life is so simple we've just complicated it as humans <laughs> yeah. yeah you know we end up resisting uh the flow we end up resisting surrender we end up resisting change and i think when we understand the nature of when we understand the nature of something it it, it starts to shift our relationship with life our relationship with with resistance because what resists change and what resists flow and what resists reinvention uh, in this mechanism of resistance is the ego Mm -hmm. and the ego being that which we believe ourselves to be the ego being our perceived sense of self and we've been conditioned by society media religion parents life experience to believe that we are the ego and the truth is we are not the ego and the degree to which we believe we are the ego the sense of identification uh is the degree to which we're not free and the degree to which we tend to resist because the ego's job is to reinforce its existence and the ego's job is to make sure we don't get hurt again like we were hurt when we were five and like we were yeah. hurt, we don't feel that helpless again. We don't feel that powerless again. We don't feel that abandoned again. We don't feel that much pain again. We don't feel that much, you know, suffering again. And so mm-hmm. this is the ego's job. And so the ego, you know, our perceived sense of self, it seeks to control everything and everyone because we feel, because it, feel, it feels like if I can control everything and everyone and control life, control everything, control what's going to happen, control the future, control the past, control how you perceive me, control my, what my wife, spouse, kids, you know, the government, whoever is going to do, then I won't get hurt again. And so, you know, it, it, it's when we really understand that, ah, this is the nature of the ego. It's, the, it's, mm. it's nature. Then I think we can shift our relationship to it, to not like judge ourselves and fight it, but realize that, it has good intention and this is what it's trying to do. When we really see that, then we can start resisting it and fighting it and judging it. Cause you know, there's often this, this, this philosophy of like, you've got to annihilate the ego. The ego is the enemy. It's wrong. It's bad. Get rid of it. You know? Uh, but, but all that does is tend to reinforce the ego even more. And when you understand that the ego is not a thing, it's not a thing. It is a process. It is a process of identification, no different than a bicycle is a thing, and the act of pedaling is a process. So it's a process of identification with beliefs, with stories, with pain, with hurt, with trauma, with history, with memories from the past. And the more we identify, that is ego. And its job is to protect us. And when we realize that we can, we don't have to fight it anymore, we can see the resisting patterns for what it is, 
and recognize that we aren't that resistance and actually begin to observe our patterns and begin to meet ourselves with love and meet ourselves with compassion and meet ourselves with tenderness and kindness and, and, and empathy, because that, that's when the healing happens. When we can meet those patterns and those, because underneath ego is fear, and when we can meet those patterns that we previously identified as us, as me, with love and compassion, then those patterns can relax. And I think that's what's important. Our ego isn't the issue. issue our relationship with ego is the issue, not ego itself. That's amazing. That Yeah, I can see what you mean. Because you need a little bit of ego just to boost you, but not to the extent where it's fear, like you said. Um, yeah. yeah, gosh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, so yeah, just to, just to clarify, like ego isn't the problem. Ego, just the ego is just, that's why I said when you understand the nature of something, it, it can shift your relationship with the ego is is neutral it's mm. not good or bad it is just a vehicle it's the vehicle that your soul uses in this physical life incarnation to function so we all have an ego and what's important is that we just have a healthy relationship with ego right and and, and so if you were to let's say meet the dalai lama on the street uh many would consider him a holy enlightened being Mm-hmm. And you were to say, hey, Dalai Lama, he would turn around and say, uh, yes, uh, that's me. And, and so in order for him to do that, he has to have an ego. Otherwise, he <laughs> wouldn't even turn around and notice. You would just say Dalai Lama and he would just be blank, right? And, and so, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but the relationship with, with his own, shall we say, Dalai Lama-ness and that identity is what's key. And, mm-hmm. and, and so... Ego is not an issue. It's just a vehicle with which we use to function. It's just when we get identified and so attached to our ego that that's the problem. Like if the Dalai Lama were to be like, hey, do you know who I am? I'm the freaking Dalai Lama. You need to bow to me. Why aren't you, why aren't you not, you know, now, yes. now his relationship with his, his uh, Dalai Lama-ness has become so over-identified and he's mm. become full of, that's when we tend to say he, they're full of ego, they're full of themselves. But you mm. can be full of ego in reverse, you yeah. know, so so humble and so playing small and so like, no, I'm not worthy. You're the great <laughs> one. That, that That's just as ego-identified as the opposite. Mm. And, and, and so it's just about having that healthy relationship with ego. Ego is not good or bad. It's neutral. It's just yeah. a vehicle. And having right relationship with it is is key to recognize you're not the ego, but the ego is just a vehicle for us to, it's just in our culture, so much of our culture tends to reinforce the ego identification attachment. You are this person and you are this body and you are your accolades and you are your degree and what school did you go to and what size waist do you have and what watch do you have and what car do you drive and, you know, what's your net worth and success, success, Instagram, 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 you know, uh, perceptions of beauty. And so ego is is perpetuated and, 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 and we're hypnotized with the sort of egoic, uh, hyper-egoic conditioning in, by, by advertising and media in order to be sold stuff, right? And, and so I think when we just have to be really truly aware of who we are and what we are really to really mm. be free. That's true. It's just knowing your own inner power and just trusting yes. that. And yes. um, I'd love to talk about your new book, The Magic of Surrender. Sure, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it just uh, the paperback just came out. 
mm. uh, The Magic of Surrender. This was not the book I thought I was going to write. Oh. Um, <laughs> I had all sorts of other plans to write another book. And there were many other books I wanted to write, but this, and it just goes to show that sometimes you have a plan and life has a, a whole other plan. <laughs> and, and, and so I had to surrender to the book about surrender and realize that there was the book had a soul of its own and there was a book that was seeking to be written. Mm-hmm. And there was a book that was seeking to, to that had a life of its own that I, that, that, I just had to surrender to. And when I really surrendered, then it flowed. When I really surrendered, then um, everything kind of downloaded. Everything about my life makes sense. And, and, and I realized that my entire life had been preparing me to write this book. You know, in our culture today, we have this, I would say, misconception that surrender is weak, surrender is passive. That mm-hmm. if you surrender... You, you're going to be a victim, you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be taken advantage of, that if you surrender, you, you mm. won't manifest your goals, dreams and desires, it's giving up, it's waving the white flag, that if you surrender, you get less in life. And really what I'm saying is I want people to reframe surrender as something passive to something active, as some, to, to, to something amazing, to something inspiring. And if you surrender, what if you didn't get less, but you actually got more? Mm. more than you could have planned and more than you could have imagined the more than you could have intended with your ego's logic and ego's capacity to make things happen and manifest what if you actually got more and and, and the more was better maybe not what you expect but better and so what i'm really saying is that surrender in the truest purest sense is the most powerful thing that you can do surrender is the key to your next level surrender is the password to freedom if you look at the truly let's say great ones jesus buddha gandhi mother Teresa, mandela mark luther king you know Mm. bruce lee muhammad ali amazing people that that were powerful in their own unique way they all surrendered themselves to life. They all surrendered themselves to the universe. They all surrendered themselves to their deeper purpose, to their deeper soul's impulse. So when they surrendered, it was as though they transcended themselves. When they surrendered, they went beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. When they surrendered, they, they were able to tap into another dimension of their potential, another dimension of their own uh, of life's potential and and i think what we found is life was able to express through them and manifest Mm. through them and use them in ways that they couldn't have done on their own and so just to clarify surrender is to let go of control Uh, actually i should say is to let go of the illusion of control because i think control in so many ways is is kind of an illusion control being that master for the reasons we spoke about related to the ego and so i think in so many ways the last few years have shown us that maybe we're not as in control as we thought and, and so <laughs> surrender is letting go of control and i think that the last few years as a humanity we've we've been put into a surrender seminar and we are being initiated into a whole new way of living that is mm-hmm. less about the ego based way of like creating your life and more living in alignment and harmony with soul and your own truth and with the universe. And so surrender is when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea based on our ego. It's when we give up the idea of who we think we are. It's when we give up the idea of who we think we should be and how we think life should be so that, so that we can truly take the limits off of life and be available and be open and be receptive to 
the authentic life that is seeking to express, the authentic flow of life that is seeking to unfold for us. And I think when we truly surrender, we're open, we're available, we're not limiting life in any way, we're not attached in any way, we are open to the infinite possibilities of life. And I think that's when the magic happens. So mm. I, that's why I say, if you want more magic in your life, magic is like that which is beyond your your wildest dreams or beyond your mind's capacity to imagine what's possible. If you want more magic, you have to surrender. But in so many ways, because of our ego's resistance, we don't surrender. But 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 to me, surrender is is really that key to that next level of freedom and possibilities and and so, yeah, that, that's the essence of the book. It's amazing. And um, yeah, I, I really relate with what you're saying because it, even just looking at my own life. So back in 2012, I started my, my healing journey um, and I, I, I started trying to figure out what I was here, my purpose, because um, I was originally a journalist, but I, I kind of had enough of that mm. career path because it was so negative mm. and like mm. being surrounded by negative news. So I, I left that world in 2012 and went on a deep healing journey wow. and did lots of, yeah, lots of different things. Um, I already had like lots of health problems growing up and stuff. And like the mm. universe was always giving me little taps to say, calm down, calm down, mm. girls. But again, I, I chose not to listen. And then um, mm. I had a cancer scare in 2012, which woke me up. And then mm. in 2015, I was so working so hard in my business, like living off three hours sleep, thinking I need to save wow. everyone. Yeah, I went back mm. into one of my old patterns. <laughs> <laughs> And just funny how the universe works. I ended up having a kidney problem. And then I spent two years not knowing what was going on with me. I discovered that I had a kidney defect that I was born with, had to save my kidney, had to surrender, like you said. Um, And I had to really slow down and trust the wisdom from within. And everything went well with the operation. Then I got the kidney disease and it was just like, oh my God, universe, what are you doing to me? However, Mm. in that beauty, I learned how to self and how to reverse it. So I found the right books and the right people. And within seven months, I, I reversed my kidney disease. And what I, I, you know, most people think, oh God, that's so tough what you went through. But I think, no, it was magic because it taught me to slow down. It taught me that I don't have to work like that anymore. Like I don't need to hustle Mm. like I did in my old career path. Mm. I can, Mm. I can go at a flow that works for me and my body. And Mm. so I really see it as a blessing. I honestly think if that didn't happen to me, I wouldn't be sat here right now having a conversation with you, cute. I probably would have, yeah, passed away with just not looking after myself. Yes, yes, yes. But a lot of people, sorry, I was gonna say, what a lot of people going through that moment, they think, oh God, life is over. No, there's so much magic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. wisdom in those moments that are are helping you to grow and evolve and be more of yourself. Just sometimes in those moments when life doesn't go according to plan or we don't get what we thought we wanted, you know, from the perspective of the ego, since the ego is limited, mm. we think it's the worst. We think life isn't working out, but sometimes life is working out either in ways we can't see or better than we can imagine. And if I think if we all look at, if we look back on our lives at when things didn't work out, or if we look back on our lives at the best things that have happened to us, most of it we didn't plan. You know, most of we didn't sit there and strategize. It just kind of happened True. in the process of living. And, and, and so I think when things don't go according to plan, we tend to fall into a pattern of either feeling like a victim, feeling like a curse, feeling disempowered, feeling something strong. But I think part of surrender is the willingness to step back mm-hmm. and not be so quick to judge and put a meaning to something, but instead get curious, curiosity is a key quality on the path of surrender and curiosity is, is, is openness to say, I don't know. I don't know what this is, but I'm open to finding out what, what could this mean? 
you know, what could this be? And I think that's really part of the, of, of the willingness to just be available. Like, what is life showing me here? How is it, you know, part of surrender is the willingness to allow life to lead you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it leads you in ways that you just, you just couldn't have even thought up. And, and that's when we live with that openness, then we begin to realize that everything is always working for our highest good. Yeah. You know, even that, that seeming disease had a message, right? It, had, it, was, it was a messenger. Like for me, the magic of surrender book was, shall we say triggered? I didn't know it at the time, but my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And she, this is the woman I love the most, the woman that raised me, the woman was my everything. And, and, and when she was diagnosed with stomach cancer, it felt like the worst thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like the worst year of my life. And in a strange way, I got to sit with her in her chemo sessions. You know, I, I didn't want her to do chemo, but this was her choice. And I respected yeah. her choice. I wanted her to do all these alternative therapies. But I got to sit with her in chemo for eight hours and just talk. And I realized I haven't talked to my mom for eight hours straight since I was like five years old. You oh, know? my God. And, and, and we just <laughs> talked about life and I started mm-hmm. flying back and forth from LA to London literally every month for a week to sit with her and oh. then we'd sit and have tea and and I realized I was so busy running around inspiring the world that I forgot to sit and have tea with my mom you know we would sit and and feed the the, the birds in the park and I'm like I used to think this was a waste of time and and <laughs> and, and, and every moment became so precious and magical that I remember about six months into the process of of my mother's cancer diagnosis I looked at her and I said you know because like the in that moment I I was full of regret because I thought shit why did I wait until she was dying to really have this moment and and you know after forgiving myself I, I looked at her and I said this is really strange but I really actually thank cancer for for giving me this realization giving us this time and and this connection deepened connection like it was like thank cancer obviously i wish it didn't take this but like thank something that i would never have thanked looking back and so you know sometimes you don't know why things are happening but things i really believe are unfolding for our highest good and, and just you know part of surrender is the willingness to be open to that even if we can't see it in in that moment like you know, my mother, she was amazing because she really inspired the, the theme of surrender. About seven months into the process, the doctors finally said to her, said to us, I was in the hospital with her. Yeah. Uh, basically, they said, look, there's nothing else that we can do. So get your affairs in order because uh, you're going to die. And they say it in a very nice way. And, uh, you know, that moment is real. It hits you. And, and, and mm. I felt very heartbroken. And I looked my mother in the eyes. And this was in the parking lot of the hospital. And I, and, she, and I asked her two questions. The first one was, are you afraid? And she looked at me in the eyes and she said, my mother's a little Japanese woman. And she said, <laughs> I'm not afraid. And she meant it. You know, no cameras, no, yeah. no TV, no, no YouTube, right? It was just me and her mm-hmm. in a car. And, and, I, and, and she said, no, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body that this body Ooh. is the temporary vehicle for my soul and this body will this body will go Ooh. but what i am will not die and i will Uh-oh. be with you guiding you from the other side wow and i just broke into tears feeling you know the the the, the, the essence of what she was saying and then i asked my mother 
Is there anything I can do for you in your final days? What can I do for you? I want to be a good son. How can I help you? How can I, like, where do you need to go? Where can I take you? Like, what can I do for you? Uh, what do you need? And, and here's where it really hit me. My mother said, there's nothing I need and there's nothing I want. All I want is what God wants for my life. And in that wow. moment, I understood. I understood the power of surrender. I realized mm -hmm. that what she was saying to me was she was truly surrendered. Like that was real surrender. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. Mm -hmm. She was truly just open to the highest of her soul's journey. And she was free like this entire year. She didn't cry, didn't feel upset, didn't feel like, just, just felt such a level of peace that I didn't even understand. And, and it was because she was truly surrendered. And I think that's the power, like surrender isn't something you just live on a yoga mat after yoga or in yeah. Himalayas in India. But <laughs> like if you really surrender and accept reality as it is and participate fully with the experience, seeking to learn from it, seeking to grow from it as a soul, um, I think you can find tremendous freedom no matter what's happening. And that's the power of surrender. Gosh, yeah, that's so beautiful. And it just shows what your mom said. Like, we really are here to just surrender. Like, yeah. there's no point having control. Like, it is what it is. And it's just accepting where you are. And your mom did that so greatly. Just like, you know, was in that moment with you and just made you realize that. And I guess it probably made your life easier later on as well. Like, instead of, you know, how we do when you know, how hard times happen, like, why me? Why, why did this happen? But you kind of understood it that, you know, this yeah. is just part of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's an incredible lady. Yeah, wow. she was amazing. Wow. And um, we're coming towards the end of the show. I've just got a few more questions. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like this, this episode is almost like honoring your mum. I, I don't know. Uh, it's gonna, yeah. I feel like she's a very calm and gentle soul, but very strong. And yes, yes. You, you, you couldn't mess with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, wow. And um, what are your five top tips for someone who wants to chat from within, but doesn't know where to start? Yeah, look, I, I would say that the, the first thing is, um, and, and to be honest, I think this could cover all of them, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I would say the, the first place to start is, is tell the truth to yourself because I think it's one of the things that keeps us stuck are all the ways that we lie to ourselves and I think as human beings we are constantly lying to ourselves based on our conditioning sometimes we don't even know that we're lying to ourselves we think that what we feel is what we feel and we think that who we are is who we are we're, we're, but we're conditioned and so uh, you, you can't truly transform there is no true transformation without truth and so we stay in relationships that we know aren't aligned. We work jobs that we know aren't aligned and wonder why we're not happy, wonder why we feel pain, wonder why we feel miserable, wonder why we get sick physically, right? And so if we can, if there's, if there's one thing where people can just begin, it's ask yourself, what lies am I telling myself? Just sit with that. Like, what lies am I telling myself? You have to want the truth more than you want what you have. And you have to want, you have to want the truth more than you want what you think you want also. And so just get real. Like if all someone did was begin telling themselves the truth. Now, what I will say is take the pressure off of yourself from having to take any action. 
because sometimes the pressure of having to take action or the fear of the consequence is what then where the ego comes in and we start playing this game of confusion. Like, I don't really know what I feel. I don't really know what I want. I don't really know when deep down we know. And so just tell the truth. The truth might be, I'm not in love anymore. Scary, it's painful, but that's the truth. And just feel that. You don't have to leave the relationship, but just feel it. Just acknowledge it. That starts a process inside. I hate my job. You don't have to leave, but just start that. That begins a process inside. And so to me, the truth is what sets us free. And ask yourself, like, what am I pretending to not know? And what is the cost? And just be willing to take time to feel the pain, to feel the pain of the lies that we're telling ourselves. Don't we tend to distract ourselves, drink it away, smoke it away, drug it away, social media it away, meditate away. But I think that just perpetuates us staying stuck. And so I think if people can just sit with the pain and feel it, knowing that that pain is a messenger, that pain has a message that we need to listen to. And it's trying to get our attention to show us a part of ourselves that we either not listening to, not in integrity with, or need to realign. And so feel the pain, acknowledge the pain. That, that's a place I, I would really invite people to begin as a, as a whole. And I think, it, honestly, if we did that, life would transform, life would change really, really radically and profoundly. Maybe not like in an instant, but mm. very soon. You know, many of the things we meditate about, journal about, would start dissolving if we just started telling ourselves the truth and feeling that and sitting in that because it would only be a matter of time until we started taking action. The other thing I would say, so there's a few things there, but the other thing I would say is, is just remember that you are going to die. Like mm. you're going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Not to be, you know, that morbid here, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the only reality. Yeah. Like we somehow live as though we're going to live forever. And the truth is we're not. Jesus died. Buddha died. Bruce Lee died, Muhammad Ali died, like all these great ones died. If they died, we're going to die. And I think the more we're able to just, I say, feel your everyday, feel your death, Mm. hold it close, like meditate on it, feel it, bring it close, breathe it in, use it to, to as, as a kind of reality check, sobering reality check to remind you of the preciousness of this moment. Every moment is precious. And so if death came right now, would you be ready? And if not, why not? If not, why not? What would you regret? What's unsaid? What's ungiven? What's unexpressed? What's unloved? What's uncommunicated? You know, what's what's ungiven to the world? And what would you need to do, say, create in order to be able to die complete with no regrets? And I would just invite everyone to, to like feel your death because when we die and we meet our maker, we can't go to God and say, can I get a refund on those five years? You know, can I get a refund on those two years I wasted in that relationship or those three years I wasted mm. in that job, it's gone, it's done. And, and so feel, feel your death. I think truth and death and asking those questions sober you up pretty quickly. Maybe one more thing I would add to that is, is stop seeking your purpose. Stop looking for your purpose. Realize that you are a soul and you've incarnated into this human experience in order to grow, to learn, to evolve. And that life, all of life, is the evolutionary uh, school for your soul's evolution. That every situation is part of your soul's curriculum. If, so if you see life from that perspective, then, every, then the purpose of life is your growth and evolution, becoming more of who you truly are, realizing your true self, your true identity, your true essence. If that's the case then every moment of your life is really your purpose so long as you're growing 
and you're evolving. And so I would just invite people to keep growing and evolving and learning the lessons. And because at the end of our lives, that's the only thing we really get to take with us is the evolution of our consciousness, the evolution of our souls and who we become. And, and so stop seeking your purpose and just recognize every moment is your purpose. And if you really want to make a difference, just respond to the need in the moment. Respond to the need in the moment. Many times we seek this big purpose to change the world, to feed all the children, to save the world. And we're not responding to what's in front of us. We're not responding to the person in front of us, the opportunity in front of us, the invitation in front of us. We want to save the world, but we don't respond to the neighbor down the street that needs a helping hand. You know, we want to save the world, but we don't respond to that kid who, you know, fell in the park and we just walk right by them. And I've been guilty of that myself. And so if you really want to make a difference, respond to the need in the moment. And I think maybe lastly, one of the greatest ways that we can impact the planet is to change ourselves, heal ourselves. The world that we see, we're going through some challenging and intense times on planet Earth right now, but the world that we see is a mirror manifestation of our consciousness. When we're looking at the world, racism, uh, division, and wars, and this, and leadership issues, and presidents and prime ministers, and it's easy to look at the world and feel disheartened. But I think when we look at the world, the world is a mirror of our consciousness and the collective consciousness mm. of all of us combined. So if we really want to do our part, if we want to do our part, I would just say, let's stop pointing the finger at this leader or that mayor or that president. And we have to start asking, if the world is a mirror of my consciousness, do I like what I see? Mm. Then what does the world reflect to me about myself? If I really want to change the world, not just about changing what's out there, because if the world is a projection and there's no world out there, there's a world in here that's projected out there, then maybe the part that you can do and I can do, we can all, we may not be able to change the government, but what we can do is change ourselves by saying, you know what? When I look at that president or prime minister and judge them as they're, they're a liar, they're this, they're that, let me ask myself, where do I lie? Where mm -hmm. am I out of integrity? Where do I tell white lies? Where do I... You know, where am I a little bit to the side, to the left, to the right? Where do I need to bring myself to a higher standard of integrity and honesty and authenticity, telling the truth, back to telling the truth in my own life? Mm -hmm. When I look at, when we look at the wars that are going on, Putin and Ukraine and yeah. Somalia, and, you know, the, the list goes on. Okay, but where do I drop bombs of self-hatred inside of my own consciousness, yeah. self-judgment in my own consciousness every single day? Why am I at war inside of my own self? When we look at the world and the division, where, where do I have the division inside of myself between my own humanity and my own divinity? So, so when we all heal ourselves, then we bring more peace and harmony to our own selves through self-loving and compassion to our own inner world. That will get projected out there. And that's how we can all make the difference uh, on the planet by being the change. And so those are a few things. I don't know if that's five, but there's a few things there. They're amazing. <laughs> all of them were amazing. And I think all of them reflected back to the book about surrendering. Everything is about surrendering what you said. Um, yeah, they were powerful. Thank you. Um, I've just got two last questions. Um, what are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, so many things to be honest. It's, it's hard. That, that's probably the most difficult question you've asked me. Oh, really? <laughs> um, because, you know, if I look at it from one moment, I'm actually grateful for all of the challenges over the last few years. 
Mm. Um, unexpected challenges that I didn't expect because they led me to so many incredible experiences and uh, so many unplanned experiences that I couldn't have planned that caused me to grow in ways that I mean would would have to have another six hours on, on you know on this interview to, to really <laughs> delve into. But yeah. when I think back over the last few years, I'm like, wow, if if some of that you know messed up stuff didn't happen. I wouldn't have gone through that and, and, and developed and sort of internal uh, fortitude. And so that's something I'm really grateful for, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, some of the challenges actually, nice. maybe not in the moment, but when I look back now, <laughs> I sit back and go, wow, there was an intelligence of life. There was an intelligence of life that is, that mm. has been guiding me, that is guiding us all that I'm really grateful for. It's all growth, isn't it? When you, even the challenges are growth, but and like you said in that moment, it's like the worst thing. But actually, like you said, it, it shows how much you've grown as a person and who you're becoming and how you're evolving yeah. each day. Yes, yes. And what shines your inner light? Say that again. What shines your inner light? What shines my inner light? Mm. Can you explain that question? I so what I mean really is understand the question. Oh, that's okay. So we all have an inner light from within. So what shines that brightness from within you? Well, I think it's the same thing that shines the brightness from within us all. Um, hmm. It's consciousness, you know, it's life, it's beingness, it's what we all are. I think we're all being, we are all, the first thing created was light. And light is the source of life you know in, mm. in whatever the holy text was it's like let there be light and i think light is what we all are essentially and in it to me it's the same consciousness essence that is breathing me is breathing you is breathing all of existence is breathing seven billion people is breathing putin is breathing mother Teresa, is breathing malala you know is breathing you know, every single one of us, to me, life is the manifestation of pure light expressing in a multiplicity of form, different expressions, different shades, different frequencies, you know, different projections. But we're all light. I think we just forgot. And so for me, um, yeah, for me, the inner light is, I don't see it as my light. I see it as just God's light, divine light shining as me, but it's you as well. Oh, that's beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kate, for being on the show and just being yourself and trusting your truth to just be what you're here and supposed to be in this world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'd love Thanks. to share, if possible. Yeah, um, sure. That may be the best website that people can, can get in touch if, if, if okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, so what's, can you share out your uh, website links? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best, the best place that people can touch base a couple of ways. Number one is kootblackson.com, K-U-T-E, kootblackson.com. And uh, the other one is uh, www.boundlessblessbali.com. Twice a year I do an event in Bali and uh, take people super deep over 12 days. Nice. Thank you again for just doing the work that you do and helping so many people just raise their vibration and be true to themselves. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Whew, what an amazing episode with Cutes. Just so much wisdom in this episode and just so much knowledge that we truly are powerful beings and that we can shift anything when we have 
the right tools and just resources to really take our power back and really surrender from within. It just really reminded me of my own journey as well of how far I've come. Um, Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Surrender to what it is. Let go of what was. Have faith in what will be. That's a quote by Sonia Ricotti. Take care, my sisters. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at gerdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. Lit.